QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Ravi Srishkandaraja, QIC's Executive Director for Client Solutions and Capital. And today I'm here with Dr. Sebastian Thomas, QIC's Climate and Environment Lead from our Responsible Investment Team. And we're actually going to dive into some controversy today. We're going to take it head on and we're going to talk about the use of carbon offsets to achieve the milestone of net zero emissions. QIC achieved net zero in financial year 2021 for its corporate operations for scope one, two, and three. And we use carbon offsets to achieve this. Now, before we get into the controversy, I welcome Sebastian. Thank you, Ravi. It's good to be with you. And I should say, welcome Dr. Sebastian Thomas. Can you just give me a, a couple of lines, a little brief explanation? I know it's a bit dangerous to ask people about their PhDs, but a brief explanation on what you did your PhD on. Sure. And yes, it can be. I did my PhD at the University of Queensland, in fact, and I did it on the subject of blue carbon, which sounds very sexy, but it's interesting because it's not blue and it's not about the carbon. I was scuba diving, in fact, in Asia, and I was looking at stressed and degraded coral reefs and decided I wanted to make a difference. So I came back to Australia to study uh, environmental science and learned all about carbon markets as, as the mechanism that we were using to address climate change. So I decided I'd spend my life growing coral reefs, going scuba diving and making millions of dollars selling carbon credits from the offsets that we generated. But of course, coral reefs don't sequester carbon. So I got stuck with mangrove swamps. And effectively, I did my PhD on bringing the finance from boardrooms and the private sector through public policy frameworks and, and market mechanisms to communities to support alternative livelihoods, to support conservation and restoration and stewardship of coastal ecosystems like mangrove forests and seagrass meadows. Fantastic. A scientist is making the connection into the financial world, which is really interesting. And it's an absolute privilege to have you working with us here at QIC. So let's get into the controversy straight away, Sebastian, and talk about carbon offsets. Over the last 12 months, there's been a lot of controversy around carbon offsets and the use of carbon offsets to achieve net zero. Can I start by getting your thoughts on this and perhaps also give our listeners a, a bit of a sense of what the controversy is about? Sure. When it comes to the character or the nature of carbon offsets, I think it's important to understand that not all offsets, not all carbon is created equal. And what I mean by that is that there are many different ways to create a carbon credit or a carbon offset. And the controversial ones are the ones that, if you like, aren't real. So we can create a carbon offset under different legislative or policy instruments by avoiding emissions. We can create a carbon offset by reducing our emissions, by increasing energy efficiency. But we can also create a carbon offset by actually sequestering carbon out of the atmosphere. And so those different types of, of approach to creating an offset uh, is where the controversy can come from. So the good stuff, the good carbon offsets are the, are the types of sequestration activities that will still be valuable after we pass true zero and carbon offsets alone no longer necessary. The type of projects that will continue to draw carbon down once we get to that point of being climate well, friendly. Well, yeah, well into the future, obviously. And the person who drew a lot of attention to this area was um, Professor Andrew McIntosh, and he was specifically drawing attention to the offsets in Australia. So can we get your thoughts on what Professor Andrew McIntosh was talking about and what it means for the Australian carbon market? 
So there, there are several types of offset methodology that Andrew and his team identified as being extremely problematic in the Australian market. And those included avoided emissions from potential deforestation. And the issue there was that people were being paid in the form of carbon credits to not cut down trees or not degrade ecosystems that they were never going to cut down or degrade in any case. So that, that's the argument from Professor McIntosh and his team. The other methodologies included human-induced regeneration, which is people being credited for growing vegetation and sequestering carbon in areas that were highly unlikely to be able to sustain reforestation activities, so semi-arid regions. Yeah, um, and, and that was his specific concern, was it not, that much of Australia's offset market was around you know, reforestation in areas that really weren't ideal for reforestation. Exactly. And, you know, if, if we're going to do it, it's got to be done with authenticity and integrity. Uh, we've got to be able to regenerate ecosystems in ways that are appropriate for those regions. And it's also the case that when it comes to regeneration, we've got to be careful about the types of plantings that we might be doing. So it's got to be ecologically appropriate for that geography. But we've also got to avoid a focus on carbon. This is a really key point for me. And it's what I meant when I said earlier that in the case of coastal carbon, blue carbon, it's not blue because it's not in the water, it's in the mud. And it's not carbon because the benefits are not about the actual carbon as much as everything else that happens when you push that button. It's about biodiversity. It's about uh, ecosystem resilience. It's about mitigating the impacts of extreme events, all those sorts of things. And it, the same applies across the Australian landscape. If we're going to be doing reforestation or ecosystem regeneration, it needs to be biodiverse. It needs to be recognising that if you just plant for carbon, you'll end up with these monocultures, you'll end up with totally inappropriate ecosystems. Can I insist on talking about ACUs? This has become part of our vernacular now, Australian Carbon Credit Units, or ACUs for short. What does this actually mean for ACUs and the future of ACUs? Well, we're in a positive moment. There is a review of the Australian Carbon Credit Unit system underway. We're looking at ways to improve the integrity. We're reassessing which methodologies are robust and which aren't. Uh, and that's a positive thing. I think it's important that we don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If, if we took the approach that we have to deal with climate change in, in a perfect way, then it would involve the kind of shock to, to an economy and, and to a society that would be overwhelming. So you're listening to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series, and I'm Ravi Shushkandaraja, and I'm here speaking with Dr. Sebastian Thomas, QIC's Climate and Environmental Lead from our Responsible Investment Team. So QIC has also chosen to purchase credits generated from avoided deforestation. So this is a very, very controversial area. Can you talk me through those particular credits? I understand they were Peruvian credits. Yeah, this particular project is an avoided deforestation project in Peru, essentially the Amazon and the Amazon forest. And the Amazon is one of the most important ecosystems on the planet in terms of carbon and climate change. Now, what we did by purchasing those avoided deforestation projects is direct finance to support the conservation and uh, sustainable management of forest areas that are being encroached on by development and development for agriculture. So this is a, a well-established 
project. It's around 1.35 million hectares of forests. They are filled with rich biodiversity and significant carbon stores. And this is a, a, a large scale project involving local communities, a range of corporate, non-government and, and public sector stakeholders that for quite a few years have been bringing in international voluntary carbon market finance to support this sustainable stewardship and avoid the otherwise inevitable destruction of these habitats, the loss of traditional community values and livelihoods, and of course, um, the release of vast stores of carbon into the atmosphere. The project is accredited under the International Veris Standard, which is the most robust international framework that we have. And we looked at it very carefully to ensure that it was a robust uh, avoided deforestation activity or red plus project as we call it and part of that assessment was to was to see the verification of the co-benefits that come along with that project so what you're saying there is really that we've subscribed to a robust verification process in terms of these particular credits but in terms of avoided deforestation the amazon is clearly very critical in our path to net zero as a global community. And so we felt as though these particular credits were something that we wanted to purchase as a part of our corporate goals as well. That's exactly right. And as I said, not all carbon offsets are created equal and we must also avoid carbon tunnel vision. So carbon is the button we press. It's the proxy that we have that sort of enables this transition. Carbon is something that we have been able to monetize. We can call it a carbon standard. Carbon for my money is, is effectively the currency of, of a climate changed world. So when we make a decision what carbon to spend our money on, we've really got to be thinking about what are the impacts when we press that particular carbon button. And if we're buying carbon that comes from controversial Australian avoided deforestation or regeneration projects that we don't have confidence in, we're making a bad choice. But if we can put our, our money into purchasing offsets that we can see the projects, we respect the methodology and we can see the much wider and extensive co-benefits that go with them, we're making the best choice that we can. So you're listening to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. And I'm Ravi Shushkandaraja, and I'm here speaking with Dr. Sebastian Thomas, QIC's Climate and Environmental Lead from our Responsible Investment Team. So Sebastian, now that we've purchased those credits, achieved our net zero commitment for financial year 2021, what's next? The first thing, if you like, is that we've achieved net zero for corporate services. The next step is for us to get to true zero in corporate services. And that's a process where we look at our emissions inventory, what are we doing in terms of electricity use? What are we doing in terms of waste? What are we doing in terms of the other activities that we're responsible for there? And how can we reduce the emissions of, of those so that we can stop offsetting effectively? From there, and the process that we're involved in at the moment is the development of a climate action plan that covers QIC enterprise-wide. So we're now working across QIC to head ourselves towards joining one of the net zero industry alliances so we can make a very clear commitment to reaching net zero across our entire portfolios. Um, so that's working with the investment teams, obviously, Sebastian. 
we're working closely with all of our different investment teams across a huge range of asset classes. And this is the interesting thing about QIC, because we already have net zero targets in our global infrastructure team. We already have a net zero target for our global real estate team. So what we've been doing in recent months is working across private equity, private debt, liquid markets, uh, to look at how those very different asset classes can be brought into net zero targets. We're primarily a real assets manager, and that's really where the rubber hits the road in the path to net zero. Do you feel that's the case as well? It is, and there's a difference between investment managers and asset managers. And this goes to where you have operational financial control or where you have an equity share. And so that's been part of the process as well. We want to be able to make an enterprise-wide statement, but at the same time, as you've as you've pointed to, QIC is a very diverse business with all of those different assets under management. We will end up having, again, a nuanced uh, approach, but the goal is across the organisation, across scopes one, two and three, for everybody to be recognising that it's everyone's business. It's been a fascinating discussion. I've really enjoyed it, Sebastian. I've learnt a few new phrases and terms, uh, true zero, and carbon is the currency of the climate economy. I'll be using them at the next dinner party I attend, Sebastian, I can assure you of that. So thank you. It's been (laughs) a pleasure, Ravi. You've been listening to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Ravi Shrishkandaraja. Until next time, thank you.